podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to the Anfield Index podcast. It's episode 7014. I do believe at this stage. And I'm Trev Downey, podcasting to you from my field here in beautiful rural Ireland on an evening where there's still some light left at 18.55 on the 24-hour clock. And I will take that, my friends, because it means I'll get to be out in the evenings pretending to be a farmer for a while. Well, I have been joined tonight, like I was last week, by Cam Branch and by Lisa Marie Hannan to do this particular show for you in the international break when the Reds aren't playing. And we're going to follow pretty much the same formula as last time in terms of trying our best to talk about the Reds without talking about the Reds, or at least anything bad about the Reds, if you see where I'm going with that. So that is the plan. We'll see how we get on. Um, I have an angry topic to begin with, which has got nothing to do with football, but is incredibly uh, relatable for everybody. I will start, though, by saying hello to my two guests, my two colleagues, my two co-hosts. Lisa Marie, we'll start with yourself. How was the week for you? It's been kind of a crap week, if I'm going to be honest there, Trevor. Um, here, But I'm happy to be here on episode 359 of the Anfield Index podcast. Yeah, no, um, we've experienced about five seasons in one week. I put in the WhatsApp group, I think on Monday, that it was like minus seven for the high that day. Today's high is supposed to be, hold on, I just looked it up and transfer, 19 degrees. So, yeah, we're just swinging back and forth with big temperature shifts. But anyway, but work is incredibly busy and stressful right now. So I would like to say I'm happy for it to be Friday, but I'm probably going to have to put in a little bit of work over the weekend. So I guess there's that. But anyway, how are you all? (laughs) Well, you know, suddenly I feel better about myself. (laughs) And that is why I am here to make you feel better. Yes. And everyone listening as well. To make us all feel better, to do your um, kindly um, but murderous computer voice, to remind us of the episode number. Thank you for doing that. And for several uh, other reasons, um, you have been an exemplary addition to our pod family here. So sweet. It's true. Damn it. Uh, Cam Branch, how was your how was your week by comparison with Lisa Marie's? Um. Compared to Lisa Marie's, it's been a very good week, I guess. So, um, yeah, no, no real complaints. Um, life's good at home in the house. Um, life's okay at work. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's great to be here again. Looking forward to this one. Cause I, that, I, that is, I've that is the combo. 
Yeah, oh, you've yeah, got yeah. a rant. Oh, okay. well, no, it's not a rant, but you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm quite eager to get my teeth stuck into a certain topic I really want to discuss. So, um, okay, yeah, okay, I'm looking forward to it. It is going to be our first football topic because. If you were to ask me how my week was, I would say it was going perfectly well until this evening when on my way home from training to do this podcast um, earlier than usual so that we could um, have Kaminder tucked up in his in his pajamas because uh, he's got an early start. Uh, I was under pressure for time as a result because it's usually tight enough for me to get in for seven, never mind a quarter to. And I have experienced this evening something that most of us experience on a regular enough basis, but it was like it was all congealed into one hideous ball of goo tonight that I had to wade through. I'm talking about the driving of imbeciles on the road. I'm talking, (laughs) I'm talking about the amount of road rage that I am desperately trying to tamp down in order to do this show and not be an angry beast for its entirety. I have seen it all this evening, lads. I have seen people park sideways in spots that are not there with the arse of the car out in the roadway. I mean, halfway into the lane. So we, I had to stop and I have seen people overtake with the phone in their hand laughing away where there's no space to overtake. I have seen an idiot backing up into the space where I was and not knowing that I was there until I leaned on the horn and let him know. And even then it was literally, I think, millimeters. I've seen it all. And to see it all condensed, oh, yeah, the best one was I was almost home. And as you know, I live in the country. And the roads around here, uh, what would be the technical term? I suppose they're shite, to say the least. (laughs) There are holes the size of a small man in most of the sections of road around my house. And you become skilled at avoiding these uh, actual potential death traps. And there's one on the last stretch of road home. And I, I just I'd experienced all these absolute gowls. And here, I'm, okay, I'm aware of this thing, and I'm, there's a car coming towards me, and it looks like it's hurtling along. So I slow down ahead of this pothole, which is on my side, which I would have to go into if we passed together on the road. So I slow down, and then he slows down. And then I just stop and pull into the side, and he stops and pull into the side. And then I flash my lights to let, to tell him, it's okay, man, you come on. I'm, 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 I'm a sound man, even though I want to kill everybody. He flashes his lights at me. So I go, okay. So I started to drive on. Then he pulled out and started driving at me and forced us into the situation that I was trying to avoid, which was me having to go into the pothole. I can't get over the amount of clowns who get licenses to drive. Cam, I mean, you do this on a <laughs> professional basis, right? Yeah. You must have, you must have stories on a daily basis. You must see. Like how 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 do you deal with it? My, like uh, my patience, I don't think I'd be able for it. If I if I had two or three days like that, I I I I'd probably be like Michael Douglas in falling down. I think I I I'd be gone postal. I I think of it like this um, when I see 
idiots on the road, you know. I mean, my biggest bugbear is people who just drive in, in the middle lane of a three-lane motorway or in lane three of a three-lane or four-lane motorway, and it's like you realise they're overtaking lanes and you're not actually overtaking anyone. They're not fast lanes. That's one of my biggest, biggest bugbear. But for lunatic drivers, you know, who say, cut you up, that's always the biggest one that causes road rage. You know, you've invaded my space. Yeah, that was my space in front of me. You know, I'd left a reasonable gap in front of the car and to the car or the vehicle in front because yeah. I want time to react in case said person in front decides to brake late because they're too close to said car in, or vehicle in front of them. So hence, I leave a nice gap, you know, like any sensible driver would. But if somebody decides to just invade my space, I think of it like this. Imagine you're walking down a busy high street. And there's people zigzagging in and out everywhere. Does it actually ever worry you? Because you're walking. Does it bother you in any way, shape or form? Somebody steps out from a, a shop on the side to your left, say, you're walking, you know, you shoot the, all the stores are on your left hand side. Somebody steps out left in front of you, walk. Does it annoy you? No, it fucking doesn't. It doesn't in the slightest. Because you're just walking, you're going about your day, you're you're just happily in your nice little own world. And when a car or a vehicle or whatever decides to go in front of me, and I'm thinking, well, I'm still actually moving. I've not actually lost any time here. Why worry about it? Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch? and those must-have fan threads. Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Well, two things. The person who walks in front of you and invades your personal space uh, on a busy street can't actually kill you with their velocity um unlike a car or uh, unlikely coming, to. but they're unlikely to unless there's some unit altogether <laughs> <laughs> uh, and second of all to expound a little bit on personal space i went on a run of about two or three years where i was posting about it regularly on twitter because i felt like i was cursed where i would be standing in a queue for coffee in the morning yeah and people have no concept of personal space most people do but there are people out there who don't so you'd have this situation where some like massive unit of a fella would just step backwards and uh, nearly onto your toe so that like they're just touching my nose is touching their back and i'm like what the hell are you doing you know what i mean so i don't maybe it's just obviously i used to have a a classmate in high school. Now I know I've mentioned before that I'm not tall. I'm like five foot two. And I had a classmate in high school 
well, actually, we went all through school together. But anyway, he was at least, I don't know, he was probably 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, and his locker was near mine. And he would come around the corner all the time. And he'd hit me because he was looking ahead. And I was so much shorter than him that he literally <laughs> wouldn't see me. You were actually. He would apologize all the time. Yes, he'd be like, oh, yeah. I'm so sorry. And I'm like, I know, you didn't see me. He'd be like, you know, sheepish, sheepishly like, yeah, I know. <laughs> Anyway, you actually just genuinely weren't on his radar. That's, no, literally, he's a foot, you know, well over a foot taller than me, and yeah. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I wanted to get that off my chest. I, 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 I appreciate you both listening to me now. Do you let's feel get, better? Uh, uh, no, no, I'm still murderous. Okay. Um, <laughs> Cam, I want, I want to get into some football, and I do yeah. know your rant is related to a topic that has been discussed on a couple of shows recently and a, a specifically a player that's been discussed in a couple of shows recently and it's it's an interesting one i don't think it's a topic that's going to go away we touched on it briefly on the transfer show myself and dave davis and i've heard uh young hendrick chatting about it on his show during the week and i've no doubt the under pressure boys spoke about the topic to an extent i think actually coming up with some positive numbers in terms of defense um, of this particular individual at the moment. Uh, but I've yet to listen to that one. I'm looking forward to, to, to trying to catch that. So I, that's enough vagueness and preamble for me. You get stuck in and myself and Lisa Marie will kick in when appropriate. Okay. Well, everybody, what I suggest you do is now just pause the pod, get yourself a nice hot drink or a glass of wine or a, a bottle of beer, whatever is your poison, because this is going to be a few minutes. And um, the, what I wanted to discuss was was Trent Alexander-Arnold, and apparently his defend, he's a defensive liability for Liverpool Football Club. So what I've done today is I've only looked at Premier League because that took me long enough to, uh, you know, collate all the all the stats that I wanted to get together. Oh, uh, you've been collating stats, have you? I've been collating numbers, Ooh, yes. Sir. So um, I, I, I thought you, we need to have a little bit of context to what we're saying. We can all do the eye test, and this season we can all say, are there issues with trends defending? Possibly, yeah. Is there a reason for that? Possibly, yeah. But we, we I don't want to go into that too much because the narrative has possibly been he's not good enough uh, to de- be a defender for Liverpool Football Club because we were not capable of winning more trophies because of that. So I thought, well, how can we judge a defender? Well, we judge a defender the same way we judge an attacker in goals scored, hence goals conceded. Now, a defender individually isn't responsible for the goals conceded, but if you compare those stats with the team overall, so when a defender's on the pitch and when a defender's not on the pitch, you've maybe got a little bit of more context then. So that's the angle I'm going at. It may be the wrong angle, but it's the angle I'm going to go at. So Trent first appeared on the scene season 16-17. He only, he only made seven appearances for the club, so I'm not going to count those seven appearances. I'm not looking at those seven. So come season 17-18, he was available for the whole season. 
And then, so what I've decided to do was I thought, right, I'm going to not look at games where he's only maybe made a substitute appearance or he's only played 30 minutes or 45 one half. I wanted to set a limit of minutes. So I've set the lim- limit at 60 minutes. Because that's usually when Jürgen will start to look at making any changes within the team. Mm. If he's going to make any changes. So I've used that as the, uh, the benchmark of minutes. He has to have played 60 minutes in that game to be part of this, what I'm trying to do here. Now there was one game. It was 59 minutes. I've included that in because that's close enough to 60, let's say. So 1718, he played 19 games, 19 games he played. Yeah. And in those 19 games of 60 plus minutes, the, in, in those 19 games of 60 plus minutes, the club, the team, sorry, conceded 12 goals. Now, if he had already played 75 minutes and the goal was conceded in the 80th minute, that's included on his stats. Okay. I couldn't go. I wasn't going to go that deep into it because then it's just getting ridiculous, but they conceded 12 goals in those 19 games where he played 60 minutes or more. That was the 17, that was a 17, 18 season. That equates to 0.63 goals per game. Yeah. LFC that season conceded 38 goals. So that equates to one goal per game. So that tells you a little, little bit there that that season we were, we were better defensively in half the games because it's only 19 games. It's 38 game season. We were better defensively with Trent in the team that particular season. Okay. Case for the defense number one. Right. Season 18, 19. He played 28 games. And we can see, and in those 28 games, the, the team conceded 16 goals. As a, uh, overall, they conceded 22 goals that season. So 18-19, his average was 0.57 per game. LFC's average was 0.57 that season. So that tells you that the defence was working with and without Trent that year. Okay? Okay. 19-20. Now, we all know what happened 19-20. Yep. So that season, Trent played 35 games. In those 35 games, Liverpool conceded 26 goals. Overall, they conceded 33 goals. So... His ratio was 0.74 goals per game. The, the team's was 0.86. So we were slightly better with Trent in the team that season. 2021. Real anomaly of a season because we know what happened in 2021. We had no fucking defence. So here's the figures for Trent. Played 34, conceded 39. And that year, as a team, we conceded 42 overall. So his ratio was 1.14 per game, whereas the team overall was 1.10. Pretty much the same. But if you want to be pedantic, we were worse with Trent in the team. But hey, whatever floats your boat, yeah? Yeah. So then finally, last season, I'm not going to do this season because it's not a complete season. So. Last season, 
played 32, conceded 22 with Trent in the team. The club overall conceded 26. His ratio was 0.69. The club's ratio, 0.68. Again, if you want to be pedantic, we were worse off with Trent in the team. So let's look at his five seasons now overall. So his five seasons overall, Trent can, with Trent in the team, the club, the team concedes 0.75 on average. Without him, it's 0.84. If you want to take the anomaly of, um, 2021 out of the, the equation, then on average, with Trent in the team, we concede 0.66. Without him, it's 0.76. Now that's fact as Rafa would say. That's there in black and white. But again, if you really want to delve into it more deeply, you can then look at when were those goals conceded in the games where he didn't play 90 minutes. Was a goal conceded with him on the pitch or without him? Because I've the way I've done it is, I've said it was he was on the pitch. So if anything, those his figures could improve slightly. Yeah. Because the goal could have been conceded. One of those goals or two of those goals could have been conceded when he was off the pitch, when he had been subbed off. So I've actually done Trent a disservice here, if you want to really go for it. So what does that tell you? With him in the team, we we generally concede less. His assist ratio is phenomenal. We don't get that assist ratio from any other player. He scores the occasional free kick once in a blue moon. His creativity with Mo is phenomenal. Are there defensive frailties? Hell yeah. You tell me a player that doesn't have defensive frailties. Show me a player that doesn't. Even if you want to go this season now, Virgil, Virgil has defensive frailties, but Virgil is the best defender in the world. Now, if I was to then get, say, all the top right backs and delve deeply into what they've been doing season in, season out, I can tell you without even doing it now, Trent's figures hold up against the best of them. And they don't give you what he gives none of those other players, maybe apart from Trippier this season, give you what Trent gives going forward. Has he had a bad, a poor season this season? Yeah, maybe he has. Let's look at the Bournemouth game the other day. I saw uh, a tweet from Brundish. He had the most tackles. He had the most inceptions. He had the most blocks. But fuck me, was he poor for the goal that we conceded? And that's what people are going to look at. And that now ultimately, that's what we paid the price on. And that's where people are, are losing their shit this year with Trent. And, they're, and what they're saying that, oh, he, he's been poor defensively. Yeah, and... You can hold your hands up to that, but then the whole fucking team's been shite. And to keep, and if you're going to pinpoint one player who's won every single trophy going aside from the Europa League, and if you're winning the Europa League, that tells you you're not a very good team in the first place, the fact that you're in the Europa League, but hey, if you're in it, you're going to take it. You know what I mean? That, don't get me wrong. It's a trophy at the end of the day. So. I, I, I don't want to be 
hearing this argument going forward from people that that Trent is a liability for the team. He's shite. He's not good enough for us. He's fucking more than good enough for us. Does he need to work on certain aspects of his game to improve? Yes. Again, which player doesn't need to work on aspects of his game to improve? Every player needs to. He's 23 years old, whatever it is, 24 years old. He, he, guess what? He hasn't peaked. Imagine a player of Trent's ability who hasn't peaked. It's scary the level that he could potentially go to. And if you don't want that as part of your team to help create a new Liverpool football club or new Liverpool football team as such that is going to be challenging for trophies and you've got somebody with his talent and his ability available, jog on. Honestly, I say jog on. And and I, I include one of my best mates in that. He thinks Trent's an absolute liability. And when I put this to if I put this to him, he'll just brush it aside because these people, they've, they've got it in their head so much that he's costing us. And it's like to a point, I see what they're saying this season. But then if you if if you're not going to include the fact that he hasn't had that protection as well, you can't defend on your own. You have to defend as a unit. Now, that there's times when Ubu will go across and help him. Well, that's what you're meant to do as a team. Guess what? You just don't leave the player on his own and say, well, carry on, crack on, son. We're not going to help cover it in case, you know, player gets gets past you or whatever. Leroy Sane used to have Trent on toast. But guess what? Another player would have to step up and stop, help stop Leroy Sane. Gary Neville was supposedly one of the, the best right-backs England had seen. They used to ignore the work David Beckham used to do in front of him to help him. It, honestly, it's 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 called. There's there's eleven players on that pitch. Everybody everybody says that when I I was watching football from obviously seventy seven. I really stopped watching football. But the best one of the best defenders on the pitch I ever saw was Ian Rush. Phenomenal defender. Why? Because he defended from the front. And you, the idea is, if you're defending from the front as well, and you're stopping that pressure going on the on your players behind you. It makes you a better team. And guess what? It's a team game. It's not an individual game. It's a game played by individuals within a team to make the team. That's how it works, people. And if you're just going to say Trent is the fucking problem, then you've got a fucking problem yourself. Discuss. Well, discuss. Well, first up, uh, the reference to Rushy is interesting because the closest thing we've had to that kind of thing in recent years in terms of leading the defense from the front has been Bobby, who's not in the team much and who has stopped doing that to the same level. Uh, And if you, if you're talking about the most exposed player in the team, you mentioned earlier on about how Virgil's the best defender in the world. Well, he was, but this season he has not been, and he may well, he may well be again next season, or maybe he'll play his way into being before the end of this season. Um, But look at who's ahead of, of, of Trent. The ever-changing uh, um, position um, is it Hendo? Is it Harvey? Well, regardless of which of the two of those it is, he's not going to have the kind of defensive cover that you might want him to have. And the central midfielder, who used to sweep around and look up, look after uh, several incidents, has either been overworked or is underperforming um, in terms of Fab or whoever else has been there. Um, so there are. As you say, many, many factors which go to explain 
trends performance. But I want to bring in Lisa Marie on, on this to actually discuss it because there's an interesting thing here I think is happening. I think when things go to shit, people look for a scapegoat. I think it's human nature. 5,000 years ago in this field here, I guarantee you there was a gang of uh, Irish lads mooching about in a little tribe uh, and this harvest went to crap. And they were looking around for what member of that tribe was not doing the right things, wasn't offering to the gods, wasn't whatever. They wanted to And they likely blamed a woman and called her a witch and burned her at the stake. It it was probably a witch. It usually is. It usually (laughs) is a a, a woman in my, in my experience. I'm joking, of course. But, but my point is, scapegoating is, is what, it's human nature. And in this situation currently, Lisa Marie, what we have is we have a team that's wildly underperforming to the extent that they're unrecognizable. Um, from what we've seen in previous seasons, despite the fact that most of the personnel are the same. We've gone into the reasons why. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about an individual. But what do you make of that concept that, um, I'm just going, I want you to start there and then work your way back into whatever you wanted to pick out of what Cam said. What do you make about, uh, of that idea that Trent as one of the most gifted players in world football, a guy who last season, the season before, we were doing end of year shows and looking for content content in the summer. We were doing, what's your all time Liverpool 11? That, those kind of shows. Trent was in the freaking things. Trent was in the Liverpool all time 11s of several lads who are as old as dirt and who remember fellas. Um, who are world class and or, or either that or just incredibly loyal servants like Phil Neal, Stevie Nickel, people like that. And Trent was still getting in there. So is it possible that Trent is wearing excessive amounts of the blame in the fans' eyes because he is so special, because he is a perfect, it's sort of the most glaring example of a lad who, you know, has the potential and has been an absolutely world-class footballer in that position, almost reinventing the position. And now people just start talking about, yeah, he's a shit defender. And that's where the narrative ends. It's too simplistic, isn't it? It does smack Lisa Marie of scapegoating. Oh, I, I agree wholeheartedly. And, you know, yeah, there isn't any one player that we can, you know, award the blame to for, for the, the things that have been going wrong with the team this season. I mean, I think there's blame to go around, you know, through the, through the, through the team, through the coaching staff, you know, and, you know, everywhere. I think it's, it's just a collective. I don't think there's any one, you know, single one thing, but, but yes, Trent does seem, I think it's because he is such a unique player. And as you said, he's reinvented kind of that position of right back. So, you know, they look for that as as a scapegoat. You know, my issue with Trent has not so much been in performance. Um, and I say issue, that's a little strong. Um, but attitude. And and I'm not, you know, and I and and he's not the only one. Don't get me wrong. But I actually raised this question to, to Dave Hendrick and, you know, in a, you know, text exchange about a week or so ago, and, and I'm just going to kind of read to you what I, what I said to him is, I'm like, is it, is it possible that Trent is experiencing the first real challenge of his career? I mean, you know, not just a couple of bad games, as will happen to anyone, but the first real challenge where he's shouldering some responsibility. So 
I don't know specifics about his career before, you know, he came on the scene in the first team, but just that he came to the academy. But when he came into the first team, fortunes were on the upward trajectory and he was the wonder kid. Now things are spiraling downward rapidly and he's no longer the 19 year old prodigy, you know, and, you know, and he's 24 turning 25. So, um, He's not a kid anymore. And I, and I don't think he's had any major injuries that, that I'm aware of, you know, not like, you know, say Harvey's injury last season where, you know, he had to, you know, he was out for a very extended period of time and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it's a little bit, he, he, you know, it's, it's just a very, it's a very different challenge for him. And, and, and I'm not trying to, you know, slag him off or criticize him or anything. I think it's just very, noticed over the years when they do those little videos you know that the team puts out and there's you know some sort of a little game or competition print does not take well to losing (laughs) (laughs) which ultimately you want you know that's what you want and i think that's what's frustrating me is he's not channeling that frustration at losing into you know dragging people up the up the uh you know to to, you know back up and, and let's you know you know, rally the troops kind of thing, but, but he seems to just sort of, you know, be letting his head drop and, you know, and getting frustrated in, in the wrong way, if you will. So again, I, I have, I don't think Trent's defense or lack thereof is, is causing any more problems this season than it has in the previous seasons. And, and Cam's stats seem to back that up. So, um, yeah, I think it's just, I think he's running into wow. some personal, personal issues so yeah cam just put in the chat eight games missed through injury is that this season or just kind of overall that's got to be just this, this season no, overall that's oh, got to be overall yeah that would be including that's not including this season i can tell you what this season oh, okay. is give me a second but uh, yeah but i mean my point is you know he hasn't had to work himself back from a major injury you know like i mean certainly nothing major is what virgil's worked himself back from or or, but, you know, say Harvey or even like what Jada and Luis Diaz are dealing with right now. So, you know, I guess, again, it sounds like I'm being critical and I'm not. I think it's just when you've always been kind of the wonder kid and you sort of pass to where you're not the young up and comer anymore, it, it, there can be an adjustment, you know, from just sort of a mentality and a personal standpoint. And, and, you know, that's, that's probably just weighing on top of all the other things that are happening this season. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye.
Yeah, I think that's interesting. I think you raise a couple of very interesting points there. And I want to sort of spin it back to Cam to finish the topic, because just to filter through a few thoughts of my own here, you know, the the some of this frustration, it occurs to me, um, listen to what Lisa Marie's saying there, Cam, may arise from the fact that um, in October, Trent turned 24. And mm. it depends on who you are, I guess, individually. Different people are are different in terms of the way that they develop um, their personalities. There's possibly a sense of frustration with some people. There definitely is, because we know how brilliant the kid is. We know all about his gifts and his talents. And um, like I said, he doesn't make his way into all-time Liverpool 11s for nothing. It's on the back of an incredible run of excellence uh, in the Liverpool first team from a very young age. Here he is now rocking around to 24. Uh, he's been 24 since October. Yeah. And I, I, what occurs to me is, do you think what's adding to the frustration, and I think this is kind of reading between the lines, uh, what Lisa Marie was, was sort of half pointing towards as well. Do you think perhaps a lot, uh, some of the frustration comes from that attitudinal thing that she's referring to, you know, seeing the sort of the jogging back towards goal or whatever, without then following up with a, a kind of um, a response that's very visceral, very easy to see. What I'm asking you in short is, I think it's been clear that there's a lack of leadership in the team this season. That by by that, I mean, in terms of consistent high level performances, which is how Steven Gerrard used to lead a team. Mm. Or a uh, incredible sort of positivity in of attitude, which is a more traditional captain in role in in English football. I'm not talking about shouting and pointing. I'm talking about you know really sort of okay. I've I've cocked up there. The next two things I'm going to do. I'm going to probably put my shoulder through a lad i'm going to make sure that everyone can see that i'm hurting here in terms of what's happened and my responsibility and my part in it the kind of thing that you see the kind of response you expect to see from a leader he's 24 now and he's been in a top team and won the lot as you said is it perhaps that maybe he hasn't shown that type of side to his character that, that that might be also criticizing or uh, part of people's criticism, even if they're not, even if they're only sort of subconsciously aware of that, that they're thinking, oh, hang on, you should be leading this team um, in, 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 in many ways. Again, this may be harsh, but you brought the subject up. We might as well tease it out a bit. What do you, what do you, how, how would you respond to that? Yeah. I mean, I've been watching him obviously this season, like everybody else has, and you, you can definitely see the attitude is not what you would like. There does seem to be um, a petulance about him at the moment and uh, the way he sometimes will respond to other players on the pitch. And you can see he's got that really childish, angry look on his face like, I don't give a fuck what you say about to me sort of thing, you know? And it's like you're he's almost testing and and I, I, I've seen that this season and I, I you know, I, I accept, you know, any criticism anybody wants to say to me about that this season. I, I, I can't deny that, that it's there. You, it's, 
if if I'm seeing it, you're seeing it, Lisa Marie's seeing it, everybody's seeing it, and that that does there is something wrong with his, you know, we're not body language experts, but let's just use that term. There's something wrong with his body language. There, something's not right, and it needs to be addressed and it needs to be put right. But I'm, what I'm going to finish with is this. And it, it goes back to what you were saying about how he would be in a lot of people's all-time 11s, you know, ahead of um, the brilliant Steve Nichol and the brilliant Phil Neal. And there's a reason people were, were having him in, in his team because of it wasn't his defensive duties. I mean, don't forget, Jürgen has set the team up as well to maximise... Trent's ability. There's a reason Trent plays where he plays. There's a reason then Trent does get exposed because of where he, the position he's playing. There's a reason Trent is then struggling, you know, or maybe isn't putting as much effort in to get back because he was expecting that cover to be there. Oh, Cam, when, when, when we're playing right, I've never seen anything like it since David Beckham in terms of what they used to describe was that Beckham was basically quarterbacking the team. Yeah. And and Trent quarterbacks our team. That's what he does. Hundred percent. When we're flying, you know, when everything's good, that we we he's our conduit, he's our source of attacking play. Yeah. You know, and you can't forget that, surely, unless you've got the memory of a gnat. Well gnat, goldfish, whatever. Uh, this is this is the problem, isn't it? You know, that the, the folks, the, we do have short memories. I mean, the thing is, because we're having a shit season, it's like you say, he's been scapegoated. It's easy to scapegoat him. And, but then you can understand why he is being scapegoated because of the, his, that his body his language look, or his, his body language, facial expression or whatever. Yeah, it's not helping. Yeah. It's not helping. He's not, he's not helping anyone. his case. Yeah. No, no. So what I was going to say just to finish it off with was, Nobody wanted to grow up to be a Gary Neville, did they? <laughs> they sure as hell wanted to grow up to be a Trent Alexander-Arnold at one point, didn't they? He redefined that fullback role. He transformed that fullback role. Fullback role now is not just about defending. That's the thing as well. This is what people are not seeing. It's not just about your defensive ability now. It, it, this, it's totally about what you are bringing the team as an attacking force as much as your ability to, to defend. So, would I rather have Trent Alexander on in my team? Yeah, I would. Because I feel he brings more to us in an attacking sense than another fullback would. And yet, my stats show that with him in the team, we are just a touch better defensively. Would another, de- Fullback be make us better defensively, maybe, but how much would that then take away from what we do going forwards? This season we haven't been very good going forwards, but we haven't been terrible going backwards either. I mean, I'm just having a look at the table for this season now, and we have conceded 29 goals in 26 games. No, this is not going to look good. This is, you talked about an anomaly. We were, we, we were far better in that season where we had no defenders than we have been this year. We just appalling. Yeah. We're yeah, appalling. I mean, we were. I mean, we, we conceded 42 that season. 
We conceded 42. And we'll, we'll probably concede more than that this season. There's, there's 12 games to go. Are we going to concede 13 or 14 goals? This season, we've been saved by Ali. Oh, yeah. God bless Alison Becker. Yeah. But, if, but the thing was, that was an anomaly of the season. This, you can almost say, is the same because our midfield has been non-existent. Our defence has been overworked. We had, we, if we were to look at the shots faced per game mm. compared to that anomaly of the season, I bet your, I bet your bottom dollar we've conceded more shots per game this season than that season. Oh, listen again, go and listen to the, uh, UP lads chatting about the absolute shit show that is the amount of chances we cough up per match in this season. It's just, horrendous it's It's horrendous and it just points to something that is systemically wrong with the team with the management with the overall setup and it's not all Trent Alexander-Arnold's fault so yeah when people were talking during the week about yeah I'd chuck him I'd I'd, I'd sell him I'd get rid of him get some money for him get get, I I like those kind of uh, that kind of stuff I I get very like I understand being angry in the moment and saying something like that I do be get up the next day if you're still thinking that you might need to have uh, I don't know make an appointment to see someone because like he, he's, he's I'll put it to you this way and this will be the last word in Trent and then we're going to go and have a quick chat about um the absolute shit show that David Ornstein created during the week um it, I'm a casual gamer I, I like to play shoot first person shooters and I like to play FIFA um but I mightn't play for six months and then I'll play for five nights in a row and then I mightn't play for a year and then I'll play every night for two months. I, I just take a notion every so often. And FIFA is the one and Call of Duty are the two that I keep coming back to. Now, with FIFA, there's a thing you can do where you can kind of create a player. So as long as I've been able to do that, I mean, all going all the way back to 2008 or whatever it was, I would create a player that looked something like me and I would ramp up all their skills to 100. And then in a beautifully egotistical fashion, I could insert myself into Liverpool, into the Liverpool team uh, and be better than everyone in the park. And even if you're playing at the top level, uh, like the highest level you can go to in FIFA in terms of difficulty, you could still be brilliant and you were better than everybody else because you were quicker and you were stronger and you had better skills and all the rest of it. So it's a pure cheat, but I, I enjoy doing it and, and I love, I love the, I love the, being able to watch replays of me sliding the ball into whoever it was, Suarez or, or, or more recently for, for Mo or whatever, right? So this is it, right? Now, when I would inc- uh, create a player and ramp up their skills to the very highest level possible, and when I was, picking a position to go into I always invariably chose right back because you had the pitch in front of you and you could do real damage running at players because you were faster and you could cut in and then shoot across or cross or whatever mostly it was cut in and shoot because I'm a glory hunter and we'd win games and we'd win trophies with my little team here and I'd be top scorer and all that type of stuff And the only person who's ever come close to this nonsense, unreal scenario of a right back who could dominate a game in that way is Trent Alexander-Arnold. 
We've watched him do this actual thing in games, scoring goals, creating goals, being very good occasionally in 1v1 and defensive situations, which he quite often is. But he can often get skinned as well. But I'm talking about dominating a game in terms of having an influence on it. Nobody's ever come close to that fantasy world right back except that kid. And now that he's developing a little bit, I'm going to say and hope that he goes full Maldini and does a big, long career and stays at the very, very highest level. Uh, and like you said, I think a few of us have said at this stage, continues to reinvent himself and his contribution to the team in that position. And I'm very glad you brought that up. It's been an interesting chat. And I know people will be listening to their devices and some will be firing um, cans of beer and stuff at it. But you know what? We, we do have to talk uh, about this every so often. And um, it, it, even even if it is a little bit emotive, I think it's, it's a great topic to have brought up. Now, I don't want to spend ages talking about this particular topic because it is in and of itself a little bit of a, it's a bit of a nonsense topic, but it's kind of the nonsense aspect that I I wanted to talk to you guys about because it's basically how much do you allow yourself to get fish hooked by stories that appear in the media? Because when... Ornstein made that comment during the week about it was more and more unlikely that Liverpool are going to sign June Belli- Jude Bellingham. And because the, 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 the fella has a reputation for being associated with, you know, good stories and breaking, breaking sto- stories that actually are important and actually getting accurate information. Now, he can often be wrong as well, right? Not often, but he has been wrong as well. But because he's probably the pinnacle of, 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 of the journalists in terms of getting stuff right for the most part, it caused a serious, serious knock-on effect. And then within a few days, in fact, I think it was only yesterday I was reading somewhere where there was a bit of a rollback by him in some interview. Um, the whole thing, when I heard it, smacked to me of you know, some sort of briefing from the club, whether directly or indirectly, because, look, these are businessmen. Do you know how business deals are done? Do people understand how you uh, um, make sure that you leverage your your position in any sort of a given business transaction? You leak information, you tell someone, you don't let on that you're leaking the information. It goes through two or three sources till it gets to the place you wanted to get to, and all of a sudden it's out there. Now, I'm not saying Ornstein was duped, but he could have been. But everybody went for it, and hook, line, and sinker. Oh, these bastards, FSG, I hate them, blah, blah, blah. Now, look, it's a difficult position. Most of us have uh, more than a bit of criticism for the comparative stinginess of these lads. And anyone who doesn't, I think, at this stage, is sort of just in an ideological position where they're saying, I love FSG, and they probably have FSG pajamas. Um, but at the same time, there's, you can take this to an extreme. So here's my question to both of you, having set that up in a very long-winded way. Lisa Marie, when you saw those stories during the week, what was your immediate reaction? Because I know, like I say, I, I'm, I'm not trying to set myself up as someone who's in any way superior, any way, shape or form. I, I get emotional about things. I really do. But I just rolled my eyes and went, yeah, whatever. Who who knows? Ornstein maybe knows. Maybe he's been told. My first suspicion was, oh, brilliant. That's the club just letting us know. Like they always do through the uh, journalist du jour that, um, yeah, we won't be spending big money. And I just rolled my eyes and went, yeah, what's new? 
What, what was your take? And, and did you get embroiled in the whole drama of it? I did not get embroiled in the drama, mostly because it's been an incredibly busy week and just didn't really have time for that. But I did see it. Um, and my initial reaction was like, well, I'm not super surprised if, if it is indeed true, just because of the unlikely occurrence of us finishing in the top four and et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, if it is true, I'm not very surprised, but typically when I see something, and again, you're right, David Ornstein is, is generally a more credible source, um, than some of the others. If I had seen that backed immediately by, yeah, some sort of official statement by the club or, or something along those lines, then yeah, but, but otherwise I was just like, well, you know, who knows? We'll see. You know, it, it kind of struck me as almost, yes, something that the club kind of leaked, if you will, to lower expectations. <laughs> um, but who knows? I mean, honestly, at this point, I wouldn't lay money on anything one way or the other. I, I, who knows? Who knows is probably the way to go with it. And Cam, I mean, like, it's, it's, it, uh, just to give you a, a, your tuppence worth in this, Cam, as well. I know, like, you, you have, I think you, 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 you check in less than myself and Lisa Marie. Uh, I know I'm sort of, I definitely need to do something about the amount of time I spend glancing at my timeline during the day. It's just my job allows me between classes, like, to have a, have a little scan and reply and throw a few things out. And, you know, generally speaking, it's 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 more fun than it's not. But I know you've taken a kind of a step back approach recently. But even if you have, you must have been aware, even maybe through the Discord or somewhere, about that story. I say story. I saw it. Yeah, no, no, I saw it. I saw it. So, so, and then, and then you probably have been aware that you know, in the last couple of days, like I say, there was a little bit of a rollback at qualification, and what what I couldn't but notice, and again, this will be something you wouldn't have seen, was how. There was a whole gang of people who were coming out going, ha, 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 told you, told you. And then there was another gang of people, you know, and, and, and really pushing the, the bitter hatred of FSG. Like, look at it. We're useless. These bastards are gone. And then other people, um, sort of saying, who, who knows what he, like, why would you believe him? He was wrong about this. And it's just. I suppose I wonder how you can get through a week if you become that emotionally involved in rumors. So what's your strategy for keeping sane? I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac, and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, 
mag boxes, and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Um, take everything with a pinch of salt um, because ultimately we don't know what's going to happen. Uh, is the Jude Bellingham transfer likely to happen? I'd say no. Because if you're pinning your hopes on just Jude Bellingham coming in and reshaping and redefining and transforming that team, then that's not going to happen. We need, we need three or four midfielders. Now, the signing of Jude Bellingham alone is then going to impact on how many other midfielders we can sign. Because let's be honest, FSG don't spend money. They have, they never have done. You know, I, I remember one time John W. Henry saying, if the right player becomes available, the funds are there. Well, it never seems the right players ever become available because of the funds only ever seem to be there, you know, when we seem to get money coming in from elsewhere and we have to balance the books. And don't forget, Jurgen likes to work with a small squad, which a lot of people seem to forget. You know, they want unlimited number of transfers, but we've got a manager who doesn't want to work with a big squad. Never has done. Yeah. That's an issue in itself. People yeah. have never ever taken that on board and into consideration. So Jude Bellingham signing a Liverpool football club, could it happen? Yes. Is it likely to happen? No, because that's the nature of the game. Um, do I want it to happen? Hell yes. But the problem is we need more. It's not just about Jude Bellingham. Our midfield is shot. You could, you know, you could literally get rid of every single midfielder at the club. There's an argument to be had to get rid of every single midfielder at that club right now. And that's shocking. One player isn't going to change that. Yeah, you know, it's an interesting point you made because myself and Dave doing the transfer show, we were assessing like who comes and who goes in our opinion. And the one area that we were looking at in the midfield was the midfield uh, where, sorry, the one area where almost everyone was up for grabs was the midfield because it seems as if there's at least three of them that the manager doesn't fancy. There's a couple of them who are going to age out um, or are... Or already have aged out and should, 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 should be kind of more on the shelf than they are. Uh, and then, then, and then there's, there's another couple who have massive issues, including some of those older guys with availability, uh, in terms of, you know, in terms of being fit for selection. And that's another really underrated thing about Trent. I wanted to say during, during the chat and I never got a chance that that kid, the fact that he's available every game. Now, that's a massive thing in and of itself. You know, it's the, the Suarez effect. You know, if you're really good and you're always available, like Mo Salah as well. Yeah. That's, that's such a, such a gift to a manager. You can, yeah, you can't underestimate it. So I agree with you entirely. And, and the reinvention that, that will have to happen, uh, is, is dramatic. And I find myself saying that sentence and I don't fully believe that it's going to happen, Cam. I don't fully believe it's going to happen. Like, I, I feel that there'll be some sort of compromised, uh, um, version of events that will occur. And I think I see people, uh, people whose opinions I really rate and admire and they're imagining figures in the region of 200 million and they're off doing shopping lists and it's not happening. 
I don't, this is it's my point. This is my happening. point. I don't, I don't think there's a fucking chance. Now, listen, we might scrape up to the region of 200 million if we sell. And that's when it starts to get scary because yeah, then. But Trev, you know what people are losing sight of as well? What's that? Who, who the fuck is going to want half of our players? Oh, no, no, no. But <laughs> that's why I said it's scary because. From the, the midfield way, side of it, things. You no, know, yeah, no. But that's why I said it's scary because the only way we make um, um, money that would start to worry 200 million in us, in, in, along with whatever small lump the club gives us or the, the, the owners give for. 20 for million. Players. Yeah, the 20 million <laughs> they offer. It, the, the only way we do that is by selling, selling a superstar. You know, that's that's what I mean by scary. Uh, and, and, and and I was going to touch on this, on the Trent thing. If there was a better player out there who would improve our team by in the same position by us selling Trent, then sell him. If there's a better player out there than Mo Salah who's going to improve our team and we can then get him in because we sold Mo Salah, sell him. I'm all for that. You know, every player has a shelf life. And the problem this club has had, we we don't capitalise on that shelf life. You, you sell players when they've just gone over the edge of their peak and they're on the downward trend and you bring the next player in the, the season before to just gently bed in and replace or you, or you sell them, you sell them when they're still pretty much at the height of their powers. You, 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 you Kevin Keegan is and you Kenny Dalglish it. You know what I mean? There's, you sell there, Mane. Yeah, there's ways to do things. Um, and it would appear that we just have lost track of those ways in re, in, in recent seasons when, when, when things used to be um, so much better. And, and we can't lose sight of that either. Like the, the recruitment sure. and, and all that was such a, a huge part of, of what was good about the club. Well, the recruitment was was good because we had a team in place. We've got a director of football who's talking to Ajax right now, and it will be leaving the club in six weeks. Who's the replacement? Who's going to do the negotiating for the next for the for all these players that are coming in? Can't be that director of football now, surely? How's that going to work? Yeah, and meanwhile, the rumours are that. Um you know, Kloppo's going to have a say in who that is. And I don't know, that doesn't it's, seem right. He's fucked. You it's, know, that doesn't seem right. I mean, yeah, yeah, we're going to go and spend 120 million, 150 million on Jude Bellingham. I, I don't fully understand. Um, I don't understand what's going obviously. on. Obviously. No, I don't. I, well, actually, let me, let, let, let's get a real world example. So Lisa Marie, I don't, I don't understand the, 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 I don't know the structure or hierarchy where you work, but, just imagine whoever is the person that you report to. I presume there is one somewhere along the line, unless you are um, supreme commander of whatever you do. Um, Unfortunately, I am can, not. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine a scenario in which your opinion was being sought uh, as to who would be the person that you were either depending on or relying on or reporting to. I, that doesn't happen in the real world. Now, listen, it could no. be a stupid rumor. It could, it could be a stupid rumor, right? But that, it, that is actually silly. You, you need that separation, right? Oh, uh, 100%. I mean, you know, of course, I work for a small company. So 
there's a little bit of a difference than if, you know, I work for a, a very large organization that had, you know, a couple hundred employees or something. I mean, we have less than 15. Right. So there is a little bit of a difference. Now, I don't know if, you know, the person who was brought in that I, that I report to, you know, if, if I had said to our owner, you know, I, I can't work with him. It's either him or me. You know, I don't honestly know what would happen. I mean, he might be like, well, you know, it's been nice knowing you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for your service. And, you know, don't let the door hit you on the way out. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I do. It, the dynamics where I work are a little bit different just because it is a smaller company. So, you know, in order for us to to work well together, you know, people need to at least, you know, have a be able to get along and have a tolerance just because it is so small. Um, so there is, a, but again, someone above me, you know, I mean, and when our former owners sold the company, I mean, I, you know, we met the new owner ahead of time. I mean, I don't know if we had said, I, I can't, I can't work for him. You know, I don't know what they would have done, but yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't, you're right. It doesn't work that way in the real world. I mean, it just really does. Well, well, we actually have a Liverpool example as well. We have a Liverpool example. If you if you cast your mind back um, to the scary days uh, uh, during the um, era when the players, specifically Gerard and Carragher, I think, were being consulted about who they'd like as manager, oh, right? Yeah. And as a result, there, there were people, there were people, there were people like. Um, Oh my God, I've lost, I've forgotten the name. The guy who was at Charlton for ages, um, he had a beautiful side parting. What's his name? Side parting? Yeah, what's the guy's name who was the manager at Charlton for years? Oh, Oh, God's sake. uh, Um, oh, I can see his face now. You, I know the guy. You know who I mean. Anyway, I can't, I can't help you there. Oh, okay. Sorry okay, about that. Yeah, yeah, but but the, okay. the, the the point the, the point that point is they went for they were they went for people you would two two English lads Scouse lads British lads whatever they went for, they were going for like a you know oh he, he 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 maybe him there was literally no vision it was a completely unimaginative uh, suggestion on their part it was a safe pair of hands type of curbishly right imagine can you fucking imagine so this is the type of thing it just to me it it just sounds daft i don't i hope there's no truth in it but you see the problem is the wheels have come off so much there is so much movement in the personnel all around the club at all levels and there was the rumor of movement in terms of the ownership and now there's the concept of a partial investment all the rest of it Everything seems to be up in the air. So you just don't have any trust because week to week the team is, is, is shit on the pitch as well. Or, or then they're very good one week and they're horrible the next. So nobody just trusts anything. And I think there's this atmosphere that, you know what? Literally anything awful could happen here. So I think I understand people, uh, being a bit panicky. I genuinely do because, you know, there, there's ample reasons in the background for it. You know what I've noticed? We're coming up to the hour. We still haven't done the quiz. I still haven't played Matt Berry talking to you, uh, giving you a list of names. We still haven't done that thing about the most embarrassing thing that's happened to you or that thing about what makes a good pal. These are all supposed to be nice little topics that we were going to do at the end of the show, but we're at the end of the show. 
So what can you do? So we're going to wrap it up at that because I want Cam to get into his jammies and get off the bed. Uh, he's a big day ahead of him tomorrow. God bless him. Uh, and I have still not eaten and I can feel my innards beginning to consume themselves. So I am going to run away into the night as well. And I'm sure Lisa Marie has better things to be doing than talking to us two idiots, Cam, oh, um, off a Friday evening. So this I'm is sure. The highlight of my week. <laughs> That sounded vaguely serious and vaguely earnest and also slightly sarcastic. That's just the nature of your voice, my friend. I don't know what, I don't know what it is. <laughs> Plus, I also told you so, guys I've had a crap week. So, you know, the bar is pretty low right go. now. The bar is low. <laughs> the bar is low. I, 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 okay. But I, I do think, love I think, you genuinely, both of you. I, I, think, <laughs> I think you meant it. I think you meant it. Uh, but we will wrap it up. I, I, I should throw it out there in case I don't want to just step on anyone's toes. Is there anything either if you wanted to say uh, to finish up or any final right. thoughts from yeah, you? Um, yeah. Okay. Um, just a, a silly banter stat. Since uh, Lionel Messi has left camp new, Barcelona have not scored a direct free kick, the men's team, at Camp Nou. Oh, that's a nice one. That's a nice one. Meanwhile, he was doing that last night for Argentina, that exact thing, wasn't <laughs> His 800th goal. His 800th goal. Yeah. Yeah, a, remar- a, a remarkable uh, human, to be fair to him. Um, and we got Joe Gomez, he can't score one. Why are you bring Joe Gomez into a free kick conversation? Because I saw him in, in one of these tra- in one of the you know when Liverpool used to do all these brilliant videos. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Joe Gomez was just banging in five out of five free kicks, and nobody. Yeah, I've seen that one. You know what I mean? Oh, really? <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. yeah, but no pressure. Oh, okay. no, a couple no pressure of years ago. Training. Yeah, it was a couple of years ago. Yeah. No pressure in training. Obviously, it's different on game day. But you're like, how fucking good was he? He did better than Trent. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> that would be that would what? be one of those instances where I said Trent does not like to lose. He was pissed. Oh, okay. <laughs> lovely. Yeah, yeah it was, that's a nice. I, I love the way things come full circle in this show, oh, whether 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 I plan it or not. Lisa Marie, any final thought from yourself? Um, just a little bit of advice. Oh. Never iron or fry chicken naked. Just saying. <laughs> 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 not that i've done either but you know. oh no you can't say that now you i mean i've ironed and i've fried chicken but the always really close just a little southern wisdom it's, i was just gonna know. say that's some good old homespun <laughs> southern wisdom there uh, i won't give you mine then so ne- anyway <laughs> ne- never never iron or fried chicken naked y'all uh, uh, <laughs> I just read the message in the group, but don't say it out loud, all right? <laughs> this is completely unfair to the listeners. What is it in the group chat? I'm going to read it. <laughs> it's knockout, mate. It's knockout. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, brain, she's giving away some terrible, dark, personal secrets there. I can't possibly share. I can't share with it. No, no, no. I, I never said they were mine. <laughs> right. We'll wrap it up at that. Thanks to Cam. Thanks to Lisa Marie. I've been Trev Denny, and we will speak to you again next week on the next episode of the Anfield Index podcast. Until then, mind yourselves. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. 
There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.